Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of Rise Up, the podcast. I'm here, Dan Seibel, with Greg Beesk-Renlian. Uh, we have our third host, Scotty Rogers, uh, out of the office today. Uh, yeah, been- Scotty is actually spelunking in Denmark right now. So, Scotty, good luck out there. We hope you come back with some uh, some cool stories. Um, but, hey, good for him, spelunking in uh, Denmark. Yeah, we're excited. So, anyway. We're excited to hear about his trip. If you uh, want to, make sure you write him a postcard or comment on his Instagram to let him know, you know you're thinking about him. But, man, we have an action-packed episode coming up for you guys. We have so much to catch up on in the world of PLL with uh, a Sixes recap as well as all this free agency movement. We also have a ton to catch up on in the world of college lacrosse. Uh, my Villanova Wildcats and Greg's Penn State Nittany Lions are crushing it right now, and we love to see that. We'll call it the Rise Up Podcast bump. And we'll give a shout-out to Scotty's uh, Notre Dame Irishman. You know, they're, they're sitting pretty right now, I think, at two in the country. You. I told you guys before season. <laughs> they're they're a wagon. They're a wagon. And we have a very, very special interview with lacrosse legend, Eamon McEnany. It was awesome to have him on and talk about uh, City Lacrosse, City Lax, and all they're doing uh, in New York City to you know help grow the game. So be sure to tune into that interview coming up. But, man, how's your weekend, Greg? I mean, how's your past couple of weeks? Ooh. I haven't seen you. How have you been? Yeah, man. I gotta get, we got to get back to the weekly grind. I can't keep going these long trips. You know, the group chat, the Rise Up group chat is just feel like, oh, you see this guy signed here. Oh, we got to talk about that. When? Uh, in like three weeks. Ah. Um, I've been good, man. Just grinding, getting ready for the summer, uh, helping all the Founders League schools with their face-off situations. Um, and then I just signed my my oldest son, Jackson, up for uh, lacrosse. He's officially going to start lacrosse this spring. Let's go. Um, so he'll be, he'll be playing at uh, LMYL Youth. Uh, right across the street at 8 a.m. on Saturdays. My wife is like, what's wrong with you? Um, but this is the gift of lacrosse. And then, uh, um, you know, a whole bunch of stuff has happened in the PLL world and the college world, which I'm really excited about. I'm also going to be taking my son to his first Penn State lacrosse game this Saturday when the boys are on the island at the house that Scotty built, MacArthur High School, to call, uh, take it on Marquette. Little known fact, Marquette's face-off, man, is um, – Luke Williams, who is the younger brother of Syracuse star Ben Williams. Uh, ben Williams is the all-time face-off leader at Syracuse. Uh, one of my first kids that I ever coached. And his his brother is the face-off guy at Marquette. So it'll be a cool weekend. How about you, man? Yeah, I saw that their game was um, on Long Island. And I, I saw – I follow Penn State on Instagram. I saw their, like, graphic about how many people were from Long Island and they're coming home. And I was like, who are they playing? And I saw Marquette. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm sure, yeah, you know, there's a lot – Smart hotbed moment. Yeah, it's – I mean, Penn State has so many people from the Philly area. But I'm sure, you know, it's easier for a lot of parents to get – Well, once – you know, when I played at Penn State – 0206. Holy shit. Um, Glenn Field was the head coach there. He was about 80 years old when he was the coach. And everybody who went to Penn State at that time was a really good athlete who came from Penn State, uh, came from Pennsylvania, um, but not necessarily a top tier lacrosse guy. As soon as Tambo got there, that changed, man. And Long Island immediately became a recruiting pipeline. So it's funny. People are like, oh, they're going for a spring break game in Long Island. Mm, it's cold as shit. What, the, what are they doing? But it's brilliant because you get to go play in front of a recruiting pipeline area, and now kids are going to see this, and hopefully you get a big win, and now they're going to come to Penn State. So, you know, planting the seeds. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a that's a great point. My my weeks have been busy as well. I've been uh, going back and forth to Villanova. I called some of their games, 
two weeks ago, I organized a nice party bus from New York City to go to the game against Hofstra. It was nice to uh, enjoy the game from the crowd and not uh, the the press box for for a week. Yeah. We had a blast. Uh, we had a really really good time. We had a great showing from our alumni, so that was great to see. I know the team appreciated it. But uh, I got a nice golf trip planned coming up in a couple of days. I'll be That's taking right. off of work, heading down to Florida with my pops, playing some golf. I haven't played in a while, so I'm gonna be a little rusty. But starting the season early. That's all. It's all about. I'm you know trying to get better every it, summer. Godspeed. Godspeed. Are you gonna are you gonna go for a few jogs with your dad? So I signed up for a half marathon coming up. So, <laughs> How many miles is a half marathon? Thirteen one. Thirteen one, yeah. Okay. So um, that is thirteen miles exactly more than I will ever run at a time. <laughs> I, I've done one before and and my girlfriend, she's gotten into running since, you know, she graduated college. She played girls across in college and you know, she, she's not like me playing in men's league. <laughs> Still, <laughs> so she's taken up running. She did the New York City Marathon um, last fall. And uh, so she, you know, said, hey, there's a half marathon coming up in New York City. Do you want to run it? And I reluctantly said yes. But so she's got she's getting us on a training regimen. The weather hopefully starts turning and uh, we can run up and down the West Side Highway here in New York City. And Man, uh, your girls, your girls got you on a training regimen. She's a keeper. dude. <laughs> Good she's, for you. She sent me this XL doc today. She's like, all right, these are the days <laughs> that we're running these amount of miles. And I was like, OK, sure. We'll see. Good we for fall. you. That's awesome. <laughs> But before we kick it over to our uh, interview with Eamon McEnany, I'd be remiss if I don't shout out our awesome sponsors. Um, first off, Roback. I got my Roback hat on. It's coming with me down to my golf trip to Florida. Got plenty of my golf shirts packed in my bag as well. They'll be keeping me nice and uh, breathable down in that uh, humidity in Florida. <laughs> and also, we'd love to shout out um, Greg and Scotty's. Faceoff Academy and 42 Performance, they're always grinding, working with kids, getting kids better, providing kids with, you know, an opportunity to play in college like we talk about with Eamon later on. And that's what it's all about. Um, if you haven't followed Greg or Scotty on Instagram, make sure you give them a follow and, and tune in to see what they're doing with their uh, their clientele. But with that... Yeah, shameless plug, actually. Shameless plug. We are going to announce, as of the time this is going to air, this will happen after we announce this tomorrow. But... This is the new – I'm going to get you one of these, Danny. Please. This is the Academy side tie. Remember the old power grip? Mm-hmm. Same exact grooves, aluminum, titanium, and scandium. I love it. Eight, 80 bucks. I'll be the coolest kid Money in back guarantee. League. I'll be the coolest kid in men's league with that. I mean, damn coolest kid ever. It's going to be awesome. So, yeah, man, at thefaceoffacademy.com, 80 bucks. Love that. Go check it out, faceoffacademy.com. If you're a face-off guy in need of training or you just want a really cool shaft, go check it out, 80 bucks. <laughs> but without further ado, we're turning it over to our interview with Eamon McEnany, telling us a little bit about his involvement in CityLax. This guy is a legend. So cool to finally meet him for myself. I know it's cool for you to uh, reconnect with him and talk about some of the old days when he was calling your Lizards games. So without further ado, here's Eamon McEnany. Hello, everybody. We have a very special guest on the podcast today, Eamon McEnany. And if you are a lax fanatic like Greg and I, you know who he is. But Eamon, why don't you give uh, our listeners a little introduction about yourself? And then we're going to get into some topics and, and touch on uh, City Lax, a program that you're you know super involved in. 
Uh, yeah, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, on, uh, City Lax is a nonprofit organization in New York City, which really is the trailblazer when it comes to growing the game in urban areas. Uh, we've been around for nearly 20 years. Matt Levine started it right here in New York City. And at the time, there were maybe two public school lacrosse programs in all of New York City. Now, thanks to uh, City Lax, Matt's hard work, and all the donations that we've received, we're up to more than 70 programs across the five boroughs, boys, girls. Uh, JV, varsity, and now our real emphasis and mission is on middle schools because we want to get the sticks into the hands of these young students as early as possible so that they can maybe you know hit the ground running in high school and play beyond high school. 70. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, Greg, you, Greg, you used to live here, so you know how big New York City is. So when you talk about Brooklyn, Bronx, Staten Island, Queens, and of course Manhattan, we have plenty of teams all over the place. And it's really amazing when you get to know these teams – they play for a championship. You know, there's a boys and a girls New York City public school championship. And, you know, Greg, I know you played at Springfield, what that meant in, uh, you know, Pennsylvania to play the, those Delaware County schools and, you know, work their way through the state tournament. And, Danny, I'm sure it was the same way in Massachusetts. And that's what we have now here in New York City, even though, you know, a whole lot of people don't know about it. So we're trying to, you know, spread the word. So, so Eamon, uh, it's, it's funny you say that because I actually I moved to New York City about a year and a half ago. And I, I'd love to, you know, get more involved with this. I've been involved with ULAX, doing some high school uh, coaching with them and doing some like private lessons around the city. What I hear from a ton of parents is that, you know, New York City lacrosse, you know, there, there isn't much to offer uh, at times. And, you know, they have to go to Westchester, have to go to Long Island. Or I have a kid that plays for BB&L down in Jersey that commutes from the city. So I guess uh, to go off of that, how, you know, people living in New York City, um, you know, like myself that, you know, have played the game in college, how can they get involved? Um, what's a great way to, you know, participate and give back to this, uh, this uh, foundation? Well, you know, you can follow us on Instagram, CityLaxNYC, and of course our website, CityLaxNYC.org. We have clinics all the time, and if you have a free Saturday and you hear about one of our clinics and you want, want to come out and help, uh, we're also having a fundraising benefit uh, on May 10th. Greg has been our special guest at several of those through the years. Uh, it's a great event for the lacrosse people because you bump into people that you played against, played with, worked with, you know, especially you mentioned ULAX. I mean, there's a whole culture of, you know, it's not just the PLL, you know, the PLL is obviously the, the pros, but there are a bunch of guys, 23, 24, and girls who still have a passion for lacrosse who are playing uh, ULAX. And it, I've, I've seen those games, and they're great games. And, you know, for us, City Lax, we need to find those uh, young people who have just moved to New York, like yourself, to come to our event on May 10th so you learn more about our mission and what we do and how you can help. But the easiest way is, you know, find out about our free clinics, which uh, happen periodically across the city. Yeah, that, that that annual event is awesome. It's always a blast. You end up hearing about nothing but lacrosse stories wall to wall for like three hours. It's great. I remember one time, Greg, when I did it, uh, they had me on before I was on the board and working for them. They had me as like a special guest to sort of give a recap of the college season as as it was going and some predictions. And as you can imagine, people weren't quiet. They wanted to, you know, they paid their money. They wanted to meet up with friends. And Greg finally helped me out and said, yo, he's talking over here. <laughs> God, I was so annoyed. You know, when I go to weddings or bar mitzvahs or anything, someone's talking and everybody, I'm like, like, dude, exactly. Like, this is not your event. It's theirs. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> He's holding the mic for a reason. Leave him alone. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome, man. You want to? So, how about you tell us a little bit more about you know what started you to get into this? What drove your passion and for you to take on such a leadership role within City Lacks? 
Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up in Manhattan, uh, um, uh, class of 1983, grade school, 87 high school. So there was no lacrosse in New York City. So I didn't pick up. I, I never would have played lacrosse if I didn't go to prep school. I went to the Hill School, which is uh, near where Greg grew up in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and fell in love with the sport. So then when I came back and started living and working in New York as an adult, I found out about City Lacks, uh, I found out about Docs which is the uh, travel team in the Little League. And I got to know Matt Levine and John Moser. And they said, hey, we're having an event. It's a fun, small fundraising event. Would you mind coming down and getting to know more about us? And I did. It was, uh, it was at Stuyvesant High School. Couldn't have been more than 30 people there. And you just learned about what they were doing and uh, you know how hard it was. As you guys know, what it's like to run a clinic or a practice. Now imagine a whole public high school team in New York City. So I just saw Matt's passion and saw what was possible, and I got the bug and uh, you know, started helping out, started volunteering for him. Then they asked me to join the board, and you know, now I'm sort of an ambassador, you know, someone who you know, has a recognized face around the sport of lacrosse from calling all those games. I go to these practices, and you know, it's amazing um, to see Eagle Academy practice in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And you see athletes and you see players, Columbus High School in the Bronx. I could go on and on. But, you know, you guys go to clinics, you guys go to camps, you, 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 you can tell in line drills, right? So you go to these practices at Eagle Academy. I go, coach, how about that guy? Oh, yeah, linebacker on the football team. Uh, oh, yeah, point yeah. guard on the basketball team. So we start thinking if we can get that sticks and start teaching the game to those kids and those athletes when they're in fifth or sixth grade – Come eighth, ninth grade, then all of a sudden, you know, they can use that sport like we all use the sport of lacrosse like we all did. And the opportunities are endless. So it's just sort of was blending my hometown with the sport I love and trying to make sure it grows the way it can. You know, Eamon, it's so cool because I remember when I used to do my my clinics when I first started FOA, we used to do them at Randall's Island, Field 72, <laughs> under the bridge. And I remember Jimmy Coyda coming over from Cardinal Hayes. He had just like heard about us doing this. Came over, was a junior in high school, had no idea how to play lacrosse or face off or anything. And we taught him. And then six months later, he gets a full ride to Drexel. And he was one of the top face off guys in, in, in the country in high school. And I, the, I, the same exact thing happened to me when I saw that. When that was happening, I was like, dude, imagine if these kids had the same resources. Yeah. Imagine if these kids were training and learning this sport when they were six or seven years old with how easy they are to coach, how grateful they are. You know, you don't really understand how much this is the medicine game until you pass a torch to somebody who's really grateful for it. Um, and it, it, that's what brings this sport together and how small the community is. And I just love that. So, you know, what you're doing right now is unbelievable. And and you want to talk about being, man, you want to talk about somebody who's in a Hall of Fame human being. I mean, what he has done, uh, unbelievable. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why it's been able to grow is because people believe in him, believe in the mission and uh, know that he is all in on this. And uh, it really is an amazing undertaking when you take a look at it. You know, there are amazing lacrosse programs all across the country. We can rattle them off right here in New York. You know, there's Bronx and Harlem and Chicago, uh, a, a program I know really well through Notre Dame, Owls Lacrosse. You know, we, we can rattle them all off and they do a great job. But they're one singular program. What Matt has created now is, you know, 70 programs and counting across New York City. And that's due to his hard work and also the loyalty to the people who, you know, who believe in him and keep sticking around and contributing and uh, supporting City Lacks. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. And I 
when I mentioned the UX, I, I saw and you know helped out with uh, the Harlem lacrosse team at the UX uh, for their high school teams, and just so fun seeing you know how hard these kids compete on like a Sunday in the fall when really there's not much on the line, but they just love the sport. So tell me, and you you know you mentioned the difference about how you know your City Lacks forms this seventy programs all putting together, growing the game within the inner city. What is the vision? You know, what's next? What's the growth model for City Lacks uh, in the future? Yeah, it's really t- to create more middle school programs. Right now, we have a handful in Queens and uh, Brooklyn. We're, we're creating, we're, we're working right now on raising the money to create another one in the Bronx. But that really is our next mission now to just get to kids at a younger age to, to pick up the game. And, you know, in order to do that, we need more coaches, we need more clinics. And uh, that's really our next step. It's uh, still to fortify the 70 high school programs, create even more varsity programs. But really our focus right now is on the middle schools to get the sticks and uh, gloves into the kids' hands early at an earlier age. I think that's the thing about lacrosse too that you hear so often that the price to, to play, the barrier to entry is, is so high. You know, you compare lacrosse to other sports, basically except with the exception of hockey. You know, those two sports, lacrosse and hockey, is just so expensive to get involved in. Um when, you know, there's basketball teams where you just, you know, you show up, you need sneakers and a, and a penny and one ball and same with soccer, right? So what have you guys been doing to kind of drive that price down for, um, you know, the inner city kids so they can be involved? Well, you, you can't really. I mean, you, you guys know the equipment game, you know, you, you, you get breaks, no doubt. And what you really do is you have some amazing volunteers and high school kids across the country who collect stuff. Uh, you know, I, I know one of our main sponsors, Relaxing, you know, Relax, finds old sticks and gives it to kids. But, you know, my tagline used to be, you know, talk is cheap, growing the game isn't. We need donors. You know, we need people to come to our fundraising benefit. And, you know, you guys know this. And especially, you know, Danny, now that you're in New York City, there are people out there who want to help. They just find, need to find out about us. They need to find out about our event. And they need to, uh, you know, want to contribute and, and become a part of what we're doing. And whether that's coming to our event or organizing a charity spin class with their friends and then a happy hour afterwards, everything helps. So we really need to spread the word so that people such as yourself who are in their 20s and have moved to New York City know that we exist and we want your help and we need your help, whether it's financially or volunteering or, you know, like I said, doing something, you know, fun. You know, think about it. You know, if a, you know, a 26-year-old girl who played at UVA works with a 26-year-old guy who played at Penn State and they say, hey, let's go organize a uh, Barry's fundraising class for City Lax and then go hit the bars or brunch afterwards. The place would be packed. And, you know, and boom, there you go. There's about 50 sticks coming our way. And it's a, and it would be a great event. It'd be a lot of fun. So that's what I'm trying to do on social media and through interviews like this. Just spread the word that, hey, City Lax is here in New York City. You're here in New York City. You love lacrosse. We love lacrosse. Help us out and join our team. Sides, get people to the I bar. Was gonna say, <laughs> ASAP. Absolutely. No, I, I'm so, I'm definitely going to connect. Even about drink that. I'm definitely going to connect with you after this because I think that, you know, first off, I'm super passionate, you know, clearly, you know, doing this podcast, I'm still so passionate about lacrosse. Um, you know, people call me a lax rat and I, I love it. Um, and I have friends that are the same way. You know, I, I play for the Nyack lacrosse team in the city and we have a bunch of people that are just looking to get involved, whether they, you know, hit me up like saying, Hey, you have any camps that I can help out with? Or a group of us, we go up to Pelham on Sundays and coach Pelham youth, like third and fourth graders, some bobbleheads, which is a blast. So definitely I, I would love to connect with you and uh, figure out how I can get involved for sure. 
Oh, I'll infiltrate that team mailing list when this is over. That's for sure. Tell Will Yateman I'm coming for him. I will. I will. <laughs> he just had a kid, so he's been out of the mix a little bit. I'm sure we will be back uh, soon. <laughs> Good for him. Congratulations. <laughs> he's a great guy. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, uh, and we don't want to keep you too long, but, man, thank you for coming on here. Thank you for spreading the message. We will absolutely be using our mouths and our uh, our reach for sure. Um and uh, if you guys can, May 10th, you said, right? Yeah, May City? 10th. Uh, follow us on Instagram. We'll get the word out. But I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. And, you know, Greg, you said you didn't want to take up much of my time. But, I mean, this felt almost as long as one of your face-offs with the Lizards when you guys were in oh, that tug-of-war and Clark and I were able dude, to plan out our summer vacations. <laughs> don't remind me. Oh I still God. wake up every day and have to stretch for 30 minutes just to be active, just to exist. Clark and I had so much fun calling those games. You know, I you know you had Clark on a couple of weeks ago. That was a blast of a podcast for me. I thought I was going down memory lane. But Greg and the other great face-off guys in the MLL would get into these tug-of-wars or battle royales in there, and they, they wouldn't come out. And you could tell the ball wasn't coming out. We're like, so, going to Montauk after the game? How, what, <laughs> yeah. what are we going to do in August? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you'd see, stuff. Eamon and Quint would be having a blast just laughing. And meanwhile, I'm down there with my face in the mud just – killing myself for 90 seconds at a time against Jeff Snyder. That's it. Uh, it was fun times for uh, me. But, uh, guys, look, I really appreciate yeah, you having me on. This is a great podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, Danny, I'll definitely hit you up afterwards. But uh, thanks for having me on to talk about City Lex. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as we enjoyed having Eamon on. And we talked about it at the top of the show. We have an action-packed episode and a lot to get through for you guys today. We're going to start with the PLL and everything that's been going on in the league. Um, first off, Sixes recap. I know we tuned in. We were you know, chatting about it while it was live. What did you think? You know, Was it a success? Was it a good product? You know, Did you think that they got as much traction as they wanted with it? I think the PLL is all about reach and i think they're all about engagement and i think that you can always tell like those of us who know you know the rables and, and and their thing like we know what they're doing when they do it so for instance like you know the, the i thought the championship was a lot of fun to watch i thought the championship series was fun it was all indoors it was really cool um you know i'm pumped i made money on the chrome so that was great um but uh, at right after it was over, immediately you see the the the, the self trolling by the PLL. The immediate posts. Well, a bunch of players said this is better than field lacrosse. It was like one and a half guys said that, and then like you know, oh, clickbait, 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 and it, um, you know, they love poking the bear, man, and getting that clickbait. They they like to take lacrosse Twitter and Instagram and kind of make it feed on itself, and it was you know cool. I think they milked it. They did a great job. Romar Dennis, I think, I mean, he was absolutely built for this shit. If I don't see him, I mean, here's the problem, though. There's no two-point line in the in the Olympics, which there absolutely should be. But there's no two-point line in sixes in the Olympics. If it was, Romar Dennis would be team captain. Um, but I still think he should get a very hard look um, because he was absolutely killer. It was no doubt he was the guy. Um, and then it was just cool to see some guys make a name for themselves. It was cool to see a different brand of lacrosse. You know, people that are upset about, oh, this isn't real lacrosse. Yeah, I know. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a kind of lacrosse that we can get into the Olympics. And that's exactly what it is. And it worked out great. I love the two-point line innovation. I thought it was awesome. Um, and it was cool to just watch pro lacrosse at this time of year, like on a, totally. on a weeknight. I loved that, it. That's the best part about it. You know, 
whoever you are out there, you could be the biggest hater of sixes or you know the biggest advocate for it. For me, it was I was meeting up with one of my friends from high school who I hadn't seen in a while at a bar on a Friday night. And, you know, he, he played hockey at Dartmouth. He isn't the biggest lacrosse guy. And he was sitting down. He's like, got you a beer. They have lacrosse on TV. You're going to be pumped. And I'm like, that's awesome that like this bar in New York City, because they're playing ESPN2, is, ha has this lacrosse on. And I was like, yeah, that is awesome. So it was great to just watch some, you know, have lacrosse to watch during the week, have it be on some of the games, be on ESPN2. Um, so, yeah, like you mentioned, the reach, that's exactly what the PL is looking for to have, you know, the casual fan flip on ESPN on a Thursday night, on a Friday night and say, oh, like, this is fun. Look at all the goals. Like, so, but off of kind of what you said, I have a couple questions for you. Romar's dominance in sixes, I mean, if that doesn't tell him that he should, you know, shoot from, you know, 13 and in more often, right? I know he was, you know, stretching it to beyond that 13 yard arc in some of those some of those Instagram highlights. But I think the biggest knock on him forever has been, right, his shooting percentage. Like if he can't hit the target, how, you know, effective is he? He was very, very effective in sixes. So maybe he takes a look at that. Like, is that his range now? Dude, him and Chris Gray, mate. this is what I was saying on Twitter. I was like, yo, just so everybody knows who doesn't watch the cross, 13 yards is not the layup these guys are making it look like. Chris Gray shoots a 13-yard two-bomb. It looked like he was taking a crease crank. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah, you know what? That's a great point. I think a lot of people would look at that and go, oh, man, let's see how it translates to outdoor. Maybe he should be you know, taking more twos or maybe he's more accurate. You know, Take that to like, College basketball, right? Dude's lighting up threes. Most kids then go to the NBA and go, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta increase my range so I can be a three-point shooter in the NBA. They don't sit there and go, ah, this is my spot. <laughs> I should be killing twos from this spot. The mid-range jumper's dead, as we know. Um, so yeah, I think mid-range jumpers for Omar seems to be the biscuit. Now, here's the question though: Do you get that? Do you get that shot when it, it's a six-on-six? And there's um, two more bodies, right? Or more bodies. Yeah, and there's in. and there's there's a two point line that's extended. Uh, but dude, I I've always in, was always impressed with Romar's game because first off, he's got the wiggle. The, I haven't seen a wiggle like that since Kyle Harrison. I mean, even even when it was the MLL and it was the 16 yard two point arc, he was still nailing jumpers. Dude, jump the shot, two pointers, people. Dude, you, you you don't know if you're a casual lacrosse fan and you don't know what that means, go out to a football field, stand 16 yards away from the goal, and see if you can make the ball in the net in the air. Okay. It's far. Um, and he was throw and he was shooting at like 90 plus on the run, and that thing would stick in the upper 90 and then fall. It was ridiculous. So yeah, Romar did great. I thought Chris Gray did great. I thought. I thought it was great for Atlas. A lot of people are talking about the um, po you know, the off-season moves, transit transactions, and stuff like that, which we'll get to free agency. And everyone's like, "Oh, what are the Atlas going to do?" It's like, I think they're pretty good. I think they're set. Like they're just chilling. Um, and, and they got a lot of young guys who can gun and go two ways. And I thought it was pretty cool. Do you see? Was there anybody? Was there anybody in that Sixes tournament to you that helped themselves in free agency? Hundred percent. It's Jake Caraway, and it's no one else is yeah. even close. Hundred yeah. percent. Totally and, and, and we'll get into that. You know, he, Jake Carraway signed with the Water Dogs, but I mean, he went from, I've always been big on him. I watched him kill Villanova for years playing against Villanova, playing against him. And then once I graduated, he had a couple more years, but 
he, I've always thought he's been an unbelievable player. And last year, I, it was you know head scratcher a little bit that he wasn't finding his way onto the field. And I think you know, given the opportunity during the Sixes tournament, anyone was going to want to sign him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it is interesting because we are you know we, well, we're going to talk about it, but I don't think the Water Dogs get any <laughs> do they still get any respect? It's crazy. Like people are like oh. This guy went to the Whip Snakes. They're going to be incredible. And like, Caraway just went to the defending champions. Like, come on, dude. Like, remember that. <laughs> I mean, a, a midfield line of like Caraway, um, Courier, and and, Slo- and Mikey Slosher. Like, I mean, Ooh. who's going to get the poll first Ooh. off? And then, I mean, those short, those poor shorties. But I have another question for you off of the sixes. Just kind of how, I mean, you win something you're going to celebrate, but as someone, you know, yourself who's won um, championships in the sport, how does winning a sixes championship kind of compare to winning the summer, you know, regular season championship or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a difference? No, I hear exactly what you're saying. There's no, there's no comparison. It's, it's awesome. You know, it's for the boys. It's we're the best doing this thing. And I think for the Chrome organization, it's cool because we know how far the Chrome have climbed from where they were two years ago. Um, but it was kind of like when they won, you know, the bubble, the bubble in 2020, it was like, you know, great competitive. It was, but it was like, you know, six games and no one really took seriously kind of like statistics or anything like that. Like, it's like, dude, you're just jumping out there and going after it. And it was great. But like, there is something about having an off season and training for it, getting into training camp, getting to know your team over the course of, well, for in, in the MLL, it was a 14-game regular season, going through the ups and downs, the bus rides, all that stuff. And then coming out on top was more about, look what we were able to survive rather than we're just better than everybody for a week. And I, and I think I'm not taking anything away. It's awesome. It's cool. I can tell you right now, though, if you were to ask any player in lacrosse, would you rather win that? Or would you rather win the PLL championship? If they don't say PLL championship, then they're they probably something wrong. They're screws. Um, so I can tell you from experience that that's absolutely there's no comparison to that. I, I completely agree, and I think you know no discredit to you know the guys on the Chrome, but you know I think I think exactly what you said. You hit the nail on the head. And, and my last question around around sixes: If you're a Whip Snakes fan, are you concerned with them going you know defeated? In uh in the bubble or not the bubble excuse me in the Sixes tournament I know Brad Smith went off he had you know a great uh, little tournament but other than that you know they're really just kind of going through the motions in some of the games that I watched. No, I think I think this is one of those things where if there's something positive, if you won, you take the positive and you go, oh, awesome! Like for the Chrome, I think this is an awesome stepping stone where they say, yo, we won this. This is part of our program now forever. Like this organization won this thing. And we have one of them. Uh, so we, you know, we know what it's like to win something and we're going to build on this momentum and it's going to be positive. Whereas if you're the Whip Snakes, what do the Whip Snakes win with? The Whip Snakes win with an impeccable goalie, high faceoff percentage, Mike Earhart, best lacrosse player on the planet for the last couple of years, in my opinion, and a lockdown defense, the uh, defensive organization that works team defense like, you know, very few can do. Can't do any of that in sixes. Can't face off. Bernard, you know, and their starting goalie, you know, Phipps did a you know pretty good job, but he was getting pelted from four yards out for a whole week. God bless him, you know. So, yeah, I think if you're the Whip Snakes, you're just kind of rolling your eyes, going, "Hey, man, it was great to run with the boys," but this isn't. 
this isn't a game. So, what I actually have one last question about the Sixers before we move on to PL. All right, but this is the last one. This is the last one. I swear. Do you see this as something the PLL will continue to do, or something that might fizzle out? I hope so, man. I I I think this what this did was it did a great job. If I'm world lacrosse, I'm ecstatic because I, I I tweeted about this. I was like, look, man, everybody is hoping that. I don't know what they think when they're looking at me about sixes. I think they're just ex- assuming that I'm going to hate it because there's no face-offs. I don't give a <laughs> shit, man. My career's over. <laughs> I don't need a face-off. I just want lacrosse. I want any brand of lacrosse. I watch indoor lacrosse. I love the NLL. I love watching. If I if I see uh, bo- Canadian box, I'll watch it. Sixes, I'll watch it. I don't care. I just love lacrosse. So I hope they keep doing it because I think what this did was a lot of people who didn't know what sixes was going to look like, who are, who, they all said the same shit. It's out. It's indoor lacrosse, but outside. It's not. Totally different. And I think they looked at it and were like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I think if you're a casual fan at a bar and you turned it on, you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is yeah. fast. Um, totally. Now, if you're a lax head, look, I love the strategy involved in lacrosse. I don't think I still I will preach this till they tell they take me off the air. PLL rules are the best version of lacrosse I've ever seen. And I love them. Um so, yeah, I, I don't think it's going anywhere, but I do hope they keep doing it because I think it's pretty cool. I think, too, it gave a lot of young players who might have not been able to see the field last yep. summer an opportunity to show that, you know, they can hang in this league. I look at, uh, like, that kid O'Rourke on uh, the Atlas could yep. absolutely sling the pill. And now Pressler is going to be the coach of the Atlas, right, from Bryant. Yeah, I, so, I also think I, I also think there were some young goaltenders Yep. Drake Porter, uh, I've been, you know, I mean, if you're, if you watch those games. Now, here's one thing you could totally take away from this is guys who can rip the ball, obviously, who have wheels, but also got goaltenders. This is, I mean, trial by fire, but Drake Porter came in and looked like he's been playing for five years in the league. So I think if you're looking at stock, there were some dudes that made some impressions there. And I, I think it helped their, their stock for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think there's guys that help themselves out, but I also think some guys like blew you away. And I think Drake Porter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and going off that, we touched upon it with uh, Jake Carraway, but a ton of player movement, a ton of uh, new signings going on in the PLL. Before we kind of get into player by player, team by team, do you think this new kind of format that the PLL is incorporating is, is I know their goal was to be more transparent in like the way that the deals are happening with the, the cap and you know, how it, more player uh, positive, I guess, more player power. Do you think that's been a success so far? I think this is a gigantic step in the right direction. Now yeah. for people who don't understand, like for years in the MLL for years, every player was asking the same thing. I personally was like, look, I have another job. I love being a professional lacrosse player. I know I'm not going to make a million dollars. All I'm asking is that you don't make this the biggest pain in the ass ever. I would like to know what I'm worth and what I'm getting paid. I would like that check to come on time. I would like to make sure that if I get hurt, I'm taken care of. And I would like to know that if you don't think I'm going to dress, that you tell me before midnight, the day before the game. If I'm not playing, I would love for you to tell me why, how I can get on the field. And if I can't, I would love for you to respect that and help me find another team. Those are the things guys always want. You have a lot. You have all those now. You have player contracts. I mean, Dan Aristides, he, he he knows everybody's. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he knows what everyone's having for breakfast. 
I mean, it's public. It's, he does a great job. Is it and, public? Though? He, he just got. I saw he got a little pee pee whacked and said, "Stop, stop posting him." Well, I think he got. I think people were irked that he was breaking the news before it could be broken, and, and I, I get that. I get why. I get both sides of that. Some yeah, people but are no upset. One's, no one's ever said that to to Woj or Schefter. I totally agree. And here's where I kind of get in a little bit of a, a gray area with people on this is we're not the NBA yet. We are really far away from that. Okay. We're all, listen, the, the PLL, before the PLL happened in 2019, the highest paid person in the MLL for a decade was twenty was $16,000. That was a max contract. And only two guys were allowed to have it on a team. So now, immediately overnight, the minimum was twenty five grand with health insurance. So that's huge. That's awesome. But we're not at thirty million dollar contracts. We're not Lamar. You know, you know, asking for two hundred guaranteed. So you still have to play because if I'm the PLL, I still want control over how the news is broken. I still want my my news center to be breaking this news because it helps my ink blot my reach. Now. Do I think it's amazing for lacrosse that a guy like Dan wants to dedicate his time to caring about that stuff? Absolutely. And that's why I get upset when some PLL guys give him a hard time on Twitter. It's like, oh, oh what does this guy think he is? It's like, he's obviously a guy who loves sport and he's helping you. 100%. Um, so, yeah, I, I get both sides of that. But anyway, off that, like, I, I think, you know, the, with the the player movement, I think this is, you know, it's it's more transparent. Players have control now. You used to have to hope that you were going to be the guy on a team or you were put in a player pool. And I'll, I'll give people an example. I don't, I don't want to talk too much about this, but in 2009, I in 2008, I played for the Dragons. Four of those teams folded after the recession. So in 2009, the MLL restructured the entire league. They put everybody in a player pool and then divvied you out onto one of the remaining teams based on your geographical location. I was kind of the odd man out on faceoffs, and they started a team in Toronto. And they said, Greg, you're going to go play for Toronto. And I was like, I just signed the paperwork to create an LLC to start my training business in New York City. I'm not going to Toronto. And they were like, well, it's all good because they only want Canadians anyway. So you're going to the player pool. Okay, great. I get picked up by Chicago. I was like, that doesn't help me either. <laughs> so I call Chicago. I say, hey, I, I no problem. That At that point, Chicago was the worst team in the league every year. I was like, guys, I can't come out there. You know, no hard feelings, you know, whatever. Okay, cool. You know what the Chicago did? They put me on the did not report list, meaning that no they had my rights. Yep. No one was allowed to pick me up. So when the Lizards came calling, the Cannons came calling, even Denver, like towards the end of the summer, they would not talk about getting rid of me because they wanted to teach me a lesson. I lost a whole freaking year of my career over that. Now, that can't happen anymore because Twitter will explode. Everybody, what are they doing? Look what they're doing to this guy. So I think what the PLL has done is great, and I love that they're incrementally adding these things. They didn't do free agency year one, and they're adding. And I love the two-year contract thing. Gives guys a lot of power. My biggest gripe, my only gripe with it as a fan, I would love to see the numbers. You know, they talk about being transparent. They talk about what the salary cap is per team now. I'd love to see how much your guys are worth. And I think that has to be public somewhere. I don't think, I I figure it would come across my my Twitter feed at some point, 
probably from Arestia, but uh, I haven't seen it. I love for that to be public knowledge. I'm sure it's not yet because it probably would create internal conflicts with the league. Um, but we'll get there, right? We're going on the right. You said, you know, they're taking the steps. We're getting there. And like we said, there's a ton of signings that just came out. You know, in your opinion, I can list you off some, you know, Adam Gittleman, Jeff Trainer. they leave the Archers for the Cannons. Um, Will Manny left the Archers for the Whipsnakes. Uh, you know, Jay Carraway, we saw, we talked, talked about how big of a, uh, sixes tournament he had. He signs with the defending champs, water dogs, Holman signs with cannons. Finn Sullivan returns to the cannons. Uh, Matt Reese with the cannons. Cannons are making waves. They must've heard our, uh, our, uh, booze from the cheap seats that, you know, they're not doing anything because they're doing stuff now. Matt, no, it's funny though. Cause we were all on here going, ah, they just need to like. Yeah. You know, just a, a, a small little injection. Ross, you're like, nah, screw it. Everyone's everyone's out. And I'll tell you what my favorite signing has been is Mac O'Keefe signing with the Archers to reunite with his Penn State teammate, Grant Ament. I mean, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun to watch. Is that your favorite think, signing as well? Uh, no, it's my second favorite signing. I think I think the Archers did a great job of, okay, Ratliff retires. That nucleus is gone, and Holman's going to be the new coach. We know his son would love to play with his, for his dad. Let's make moves now, and we're gonna basically just inject some a new group of guys in here. But we're not gonna lose what we got. Like we're gonna have the same thing. O'Keefe with Ament is the most electric one-two combination in college lacrosse history. Correct, and it's going to correlate beautifully to this. Now, my favorite signing was Jake Fall going to the Cats. I love that. I, I it's not even in our notes, so. You know not, why? Because I don't think it's been heels. officially announced. But I know for a fact it happened. And I applaud uh, Coach Holman. I applaud the Cannons for making this move. Because like I said, people are always asking, oh, but there's so many college face-off guys coming out. Dude, you have no idea who's going to be good. You know, this, this thing is totally different. Face-off style, everything, rules, all that nonsense. And you have a guy who has proven himself already. And then... He's going to be, he's playing against the best faceoff man in the world right now. He's never going to see the field. So let him go in there and do his thing. I love it. I, that's huge and love giving uh, some faceoff love. I love the O'Keefe signing with, uh, with the archers. And I also love the Caraway signing just because I feel like he played himself into it. I think there's a couple people still not signed uh, as of this recording that kind of some interesting players that have had some. You know, huge success in the league. I think uh, Justin Gunnerding is one of them. I think uh, Dan Bucaro, another uh, one of the Atlas guys, is another one of them. So we'll keep our ear to the ground, try to try to see where they happen, where they, where I they think fall. The, I think the Cannons are going to be so good. I think a, a, an example of why they're going to be so good is Brody Merrill resigned today. Yeah, Brody Merrill agreed to come back for one more year yeah. like we knew he would. Um, I knew he would come back for one more year. I just didn't know if it was going to be the Cannons or not. And... He obviously wants to stay because, I mean, everything around him, and then you add a veteran leader, one of the greatest defenders, if not the greatest defender of all time, that's pretty awesome. Well, listen, so that Cannon's attack line is going to be Holman, Lyle, and Cav. I mean... I'll be honest. This is what surprised me, is I imagined Will Manny scoring 700 goals with all eyes on Lyle. If he was one of the cadets, but with Cav there, it wasn't possible. Um, right. But I mean, dude, if you're Lyle, you're just looking at your phone for 
five days straight just smiling like, look at these weapons. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. And, and I think the Cannons had to do this in free agency because the lack of draft picks from still Agreed. stemming from, from the Rabel trade. They, so they, they look at look at the juxtaposition, uh, juxtaposition, right? So they are being super aggressive right now. And then down here, the Atlas are like, oh, we were like third best team in the whole league last year, and we got a whole bunch of picks. Like, we're totally. just chilling. And this is one we of the deepest college classes probably with, you know, the fifth year uh, in yeah. the extra year. This year and next year will both be very deep. Yep, absolutely. So – I think that's a great recap of the the PLL sixes and the free agency. A lot of waves. Um, you know, we'll be sure to update you with anything else that comes out. Make sure you tune in to us to be your source of all the PLL news news and happenings. And uh, we can move on to college lacrosse. And you know, we talked about it. Your Nittany Lions, my uh, Wildcats, are absolutely crushing it. Uh, you know, they played first game of the season. We talked about it. Big win for Nova. But now, I mean. Nova Nation is is Penn State's biggest fan. We need you guys to keep winning and keep crushing. Make that win, you know, a, a signature win come May. Yeah, we need you to stay in the top 20 so it's a good loss. Um yeah, I think oh look, Penn State we were you know we have Penn State group chat uh guys I played with back in the 06 era. My class was the first class to ever go to an NCAA tournament for Penn State and we went there twice while I was there. We won two conference championships and you know we're just so proud because we we dissect this stuff. Like we know every name on the roster. We know exactly where these kids came from. And I and we were all talking this year. We were hyped because we were like, yo, the the transfer portal, Chase Mullins coming over. I think Chase Mullins came into came into the season a little out of shape. So he didn't play much the first two or three games. He comes in and starts at Yale. Totally different season. And this this the offense, when you give them that much many chances, they're veteran laden. Um, so it's pretty awesome to watch. Now, even I couldn't have uh, predicted that we were going to roll in the Ivy League like we did. This is our first ever program's Ivy League championship. Um, so I'm pretty <laughs> pretty excited about that. Dude, those tra- those trainer brothers are so fun to watch. Yeah. So, 16 yeah. and 22, so fun to watch. Great, great players. They're great. And the defense has been playing great. You know, plus, Penn State basketball is in the tournament. I mean, this has been a good day to be a Nittany Lion, man. Good Hell week. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There's been, I mean, I think a lot of things have stayed constant this year so far in college across, but then there's also been some kind of eye-opening results and shakeups. I think, you know, you have UVA still number one. They were preseason number one. They haven't given it up yet. Maryland hit some bumps in the road. I know they have two losses, but... You know, one was a triple overtime loss to Notre Dame, who's who's number two right now. And they, we talked about it, you know, a couple podcasts ago. They are complete wagon. You know, we talked about how they were snubbed last year, or, you know, quotation snubbed. Um, and they were coming back, you know, on a revenge tour. And they're, yeah. I mean, they just absolutely gave it to Ohio State. Dude, I told you guys when I was out there in preseason, I was like, yo, this team is ready to make that next jump. And... You know, look, if you're Maryland, like this is why you play in the Big Ten or or the ACC. Maryland can lose to Loyola. Okay, learning experience. They can lose a triple OT to Notre Dame. They're going to play in the Big Ten. They got Penn State. They got Michigan. They, every team in the Penn State's ranked, right? And the Big Ten's ranked. So, yeah. you know, same thing in the ACC. Like if you're, I mean, Virginia, Notre Dame, whoo, you're going to be able to see that game from space. That <laughs> is going to be a slobber knocker 
and I can't wait for it. Same here. I mean, there's some there's some big games coming up too. I think um, Maryland has Virginia coming up this weekend, so it will come out by the time of the podcast. I mean, that is going to be an awesome game. I know they played last year. I think they played in in Philly. They had a neutral yeah, side. Dude, this is going to be awesome. It's a great face-off matchup. Um, two awesome offenses. I mean, Virginia can hang 20 on anybody. Totally. Um, it, it, it honestly seems like sometimes, like, almost like the Peyton Manning era of the, of the Colts. It's like, do not let them get it on offense. Ah, shit. Like, they're absolutely going to score. 100% going to score. Um, so, yeah, you, can, you have to play very mistake-free, and you have to win face-offs against Virginia. And I feel like that's where we're going to find out if Notre Dame's best team in the country. Can Will Lynch hang with Petey LaSala? If he can win 50% of those face-offs when those two teams play, then I feel like Notre Dame can win that game. But, yeah, so, I mean, it's awesome. And then also, Jacksonville. Jacksonville doing their thing again. I feel like St. Joe's has gotten exposed a little bit. You know, strength of schedule went up this year. They, they're they eating the lunch they wanted, and it's not working out. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been interesting to see some, some teams going up and coming in. My biggest surprise, biggest surprise of the year, Ohio State so far. Shocked. I thought Ohio State, hands down, was going to give Maryland everything they could handle for the Big Ten title this year. Um, so we'll see if if Coach Myers and his staff can write that wagon. I, I completely agree with, first off, Jacksonville. Um, shout out to them. You know, they beat Duke for the second year in a row. That's, you know, a signature program win. And Duke right now is rolling. They're third in the country. Their one loss is to Jacksonville. I agree with Ohio State. Um, and what I'm interested to see in the Big Ten, how the Big Ten is going to shake out is, I don't think Rutgers is as real as their number six ranking is right now. They have a loss to Army, and really their only good win is over a two and three Princeton team. I think my biggest surprise of the year is Princeton being two and three, Georgetown being two and three, and UPenn being two and three. All teams that I'm pretty sure were top seven preseason. You know, granted, like you mentioned, they have really hard uh, strength of schedule. What's you know, unfortunate for the Ivy League this year is the Ivy League didn't cash in on these out-of-conference wins. Yale's the only yeah. team doing that. Yale just beat Denver, and Yale's, you know, off to a hot start with their only loss being to uh, Penn State. So the Ivy League isn't going to be able to kill each other this year and, and get, you know, these solid wins when really only beating Yale is going to kind of count for something when it, get in, when it gets into Ivy League play. Um, but shout out Dartmouth. Dartmouth undefeated right now, 4-0. They're building something up in Hanover, New Hampshire. Uh, they have UNC this weekend. They'll be tested, but uh, got to give them a shout out for being four and zero. I think they've been of kind of a door. They've been a doormat for a while in that Ivy League, and I'm excited for them to play spoiler to a few teams this year. Yeah, but yeah, I think the great, great faceoff unit at Dartmouth too. I, I I saw some stat that they lead the country in uh, time of possession this year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, what's your take on? Those three teams I mentioned, UPenn, Princeton, Georgetown, all sitting at two and three. I think, I think, I think at any point, I'm, I'm a little bit down on UPenn. I don't, I don't think, here's the problem with UPenn. The difference between UPenn and those other two is that UPenn doesn't have the faceoff presence to keep them in games. Um, you I know, thought they have a, a Sari. Isn't he a pretty good faceoff guy? Chris Ars- I'm not saying he's bad. Chris Arceri is good. Chris Arceri is super athletics, uh, younger brother of Gerard who played at Penn State. Yep. Um, but, I mean, they were like 30% against St. Joe's. They were like uh, about 40% against Penn State. They, you know, 
when you're going in the Ivy League, you're going against Yale, who has a much improved faceoff unit. I think uh, Ramsey has fixed his stance and is better than he's ever been. You got Tyler Sandoval at Princeton. You got Myers at uh, at Dartmouth. I mean, these are teams that have legitimate stud faceoff guys, and it's it's hard to compete in that league. And I think his league, and also Jack Hiscadden. Shout out to Jack Hiscadden, freshman at Cornell. Kid is 6'4", 220. Okay, he's a monster, and um, you know it, it's starting to look more and more like a two or three team postseason league. Yeah, I mean those one, two Virginia Notre Dame really have kind of set the bar, and they set it very high. I think you know being a Villanova fan and and you know following the Big East probably the closest. You know, I think that Georgetown is super eye-opening because last year they were, I thought, you know, just an absolute wagon. You know, I know they lost first round to Delaware in the tournament, but, you know, Delaware played the best game they could have played. And, you know, they came out on top. But Georgetown was rolling through teams last year. And they brought in another, you know, influx of, of grad transfers and who are studs. You know, Tucker Dordovic's a stud. And he, you know, I think with a lot of people would consider is, you know, having a little bit of a down year for maybe someone who they thought was going to be a front runner for, uh, you know, the finalist of the tour ton. I think, you know, they're playing him at attack. And I think he only has like one or two assists on the year. I think, you know, he'd benefit if they move him back to, you know, midi his natural position and maybe, you know, freeze up from a pole, gets the offense spinning a little bit more. But I mean, I don't know. It's It's been an interesting team to watch. I know they made a goalie change. They're looking for answers. And, and Warren's a, a fantastic coach. He's done such a great job turning that Georgetown program around. And, you know, they're the class of the Big East right now. They, you know, they knocked off Denver. They've won the Big East the past three years, I believe. So I'm interested to watch, you know, how those teams like Georgetown, Denver, how they progress for uh, when it comes time for them to play Villanova, because you know they're gonna get <laughs> they're gonna get everyone's best effort. Um, you know, well, I think you know if you and I both played college lacrosse, and and who you are in the first two or three weeks is absolutely not who you are in the second half of the year. I think injuries play into account. Chemistry is the biggest thing, and and what people don't realize who haven't played college sports is. Well, maybe there's something in the locker room. Maybe there's something off the field. Maybe there's somebody struggling off the field with something. You never know what's happening. I think that Georgetown is going to absolutely write their shit. I think it's just when you bring in that many grad transfers, you know, like like Rutgers is a perfect example. Since the, the, the waiver, I don't think anybody has experienced the bump that Rutgers has because they're bringing in guys for one year and then a whole new team comes in the next year. Now, last year it worked out great. This year we'll see. You know, so, you know, it's it's interesting. This is the first time I've seen Penn State dabble with the transfer portal, and it's paid off so far. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, people have to understand chemistry is everything. And you can't just say, oh, this kid's the best attackman, he's the best midi, and now they're on this team, and they're going to be awesome. It doesn't work that way. You know, and, you know, like, for instance, in the PLL, Eddie Glazner got re-signed by the, by the Redwoods. I thought he was the most important offseason acquisition for them is to make sure you keep – the communication center of your defense. Now, if he went somewhere and they put in another stud takeaway check defender, that defense wouldn't have been as good. So people have to understand this is all about push and pull and chemistry. Totally. And I think that they will write the ship. And But I just don't know if it's, 
I mean, obviously it's only five games in for, you know, I'm going to keep harping on those three teams, UPenn, Princeton, and, and Georgetown. It's five games in, not the end of the world, but, you know, the ship has to, you know, get right sooner rather than later. Obviously, you know, you can make a push for, uh, you know, winning the AQ by winning your league, but it's you got to start banking some some good quality wins. Well, this is also kind of the last week of out of out of conference. Mm-hmm. So you're going to find out who's who very quickly. Um, I think, for instance, I think Ohio State is going to do well in the Big Ten when they play Big Ten teams. I think Penn State has done a lot for their resume already. And as long as they do decently in the Big Ten, I think we'll see them come tournament time. The ACC, man. That's that's something different entirely. Those guys, every team would kill each other this year. You know, my prediction at the beginning of the year was that UNC might be the odd man out this year in that in that conference. Uh, Notre Dame is so good. Uh, Virginia is so good. Um, you know, I think Duke is that third best team right now. I agree. On paper. And we're going to find out this weekend. Yeah. So, you know, those two teams are going to battle and we're going to find out. So, dude, it's just been a great – it's been an exciting season. Some surprises. Give me something that you think is going to be a – back end of the season surprise from what we're looking at right now. I think that my back end season surprise, I think I think a team is going to get the championship weekend who who you might not expect expect like an unseeded team. The team that has to travel first weekend is going to make it to final four weekend. I don't know pretty who that might be. That to happen. Excuse me. I said that's a pretty good year for that to happen. Yeah. I think yeah. a team like maybe Army team like Jacksonville, a team like, I don't know, uh, you know, even like Loyola could be going unseated. I don't know. But I think I love Army watching them play. I think even great. like even UMass could make a push for that 810. You know, they've they played, you know, they got stomped a little bit by uh, Yale. But I think UMass is such a solid program under uh, Canela over there. And I think they just grind teams down and find ways to win. They they get a, a big win every year. It seems like I think they, you know, have an opportunity to make some noise in the postseason. How about you? Turn that question around for you. I think Princeton and Ohio State are going to turn things around and make a serious run. I think they're both going to be ranked pretty high by the end of the season. I, I just there's so much talent and I believe so much in both of those coaching staffs uh that once they get into conference uh games, I feel like they're both going to handle business. So I'm I'm fascinated to see how this thing how this thing goes. I also think what your prediction was was right, but I also think it's going to be a unranked but possibly common name. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. like in Georgetown. It's like, oh, they're unranked. Oh, didn't expect yeah. to see them. You know, like, no, I think that's, that's something point. that we can look out for because the early season is great for stat padding when it comes to, to – but everybody remembers. Like if you start the season 4-0, that's – Way worse if you start losing than if you end the season four and zero. Yeah, because then you're always ranked tired. So we'll see. No, we'll yeah. See. Uh, I'll t- in 2018, my senior year, we we made the tournament as an at large bid, and we were crawling down the stretch. We had so many injuries. We were, you know, throwing kids out, taking face offs that I've never faced off before because both our face off guys were hurt. Um, you know, we were just we we started a backup goalie against Duke in the in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and. I think that a lot of people knocked us down the stretch because we crawled. They're like, you know, recency bias. You know, they, you know, are fading instead of peaking. But luckily, we got it. <laughs> it was fun, fun to play yeah, in the tournament. But I think that's a great dance. point. I think it's a great point. I think it's a big year. I think where there is so much parity, where there's going to be more 
critiques to the selection committee, a lot of unhappy uh, fan bases, you know, towards the end of the year. Do you think, what do you think? Uh, I meant to bring this up. We were talking about the big 10. You didn't, you didn't mention Hopkins at all. I think a lot of people are, you know, saying Hopkins is back. You know, they had a little bit of a downturn, you know, Millman transitioning, uh, filling in for Petro. What do you think about Hopkins? You know, they, can they make a run? I think Hopkins is still a year or two away from being who they're going to be. Yeah. Um, Hopkins to me is the big 10 version of Duke. Actually, I think UNC is a better example. I think they're the yeah. Big Ten version of UNC, where I won't bet on them. I yeah. don't. I have no idea what Hopkins is going to get off that bus. Yeah. Is it going to be Pete Milliman's in your face, kill everybody mentality, Hopkins? Or is it going to be the guys who can't catch and throw for a second and then it costs yeah. them? They, they're face off guys. You have no idea what they're going to do. They're, they're all going to clamp every time, but if they're on the whistle, they're going to go over 50%. If they're not on the whistle, they get pumped. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating team for me. Hopkins, I see definitely getting some kind of upset. I could see them I could see them taking out Maryland but you know, in the game. I yeah. could see them beating Penn State. Yeah. Um, but then, like, you know, losing to Rutgers in Michigan, and uh, I, you just never know who's going to get off that bus. So, yeah, Hopkins is fascinating to me. I love that coaching staff. Coach Kesterer, by the way, Jamison Kesterer, Needs to is that be the a guy who's in the in the Instagram clips of him, Mike Duffer. Yes. Yeah, always Dude, wearing shorts. If you got if people awesome. Jamison Kesterer is one of my favorite human beings in our sport. The fact that that guy is not a division one head coach blows my mind. He's been successful everywhere he's been as an assistant. I love that guy. So yeah, good. I mean, great staff. I think that you know rounds it up for us, breaking it down catching up on some of the college games we missed, but, you know, we're at the point week six in the season where, you know, there's a lot of questions of, you know, who, who's the best. I think we have some answers, but a lot of unanswered questions still too. And be sure, you know, to tune into our podcast. We'll be giving you updates, predictions, um, you know, who we think is going, going to make the distance, who we think is going to have a good upset. I'm excited. Like you mentioned to get into these conference plays. I think it's going to be cool too, with this conference realignment, the new a 10 conference, um, I think it's, you know, we have a lot of great lacrosse in store for us ahead, and I'm super excited about it. Well, I, I, I don't want to get off here without saying one quick tidbit about the NLL. Okay, right now, Jake Withers is on pace to go 80% this season at the dot for Halifax. Wow. Right now, also, Trevor Baptiste hasn't lost a faceoff in three games. What? <laughs> he's, he's like 50 for 50 in his last two games. That's that, yo, astounding. So I, I had to shout out the boys. The best two face-off guys in the indoor league by far having their way. So congratulations, boys. Um, Love we'll it. keep you posted big, on that. Big shout out to them. And and that concludes episode 21 of Rise Up the Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Torch Pro's YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you hit that download button. Thank you again to Eamon McEnany for being an unbelievable guest. Shout out City Lax. Get involved if you live in the New York City area. Um, I'm going to be getting involved. I'm going to be shouting out uh, some feelers and, and knocking on some doors for my man Eamon. So thank you. That's going to be it for us. Yeah, and if you show up and and uh, my boy Eamon's emceeing, make sure you shut up and listen. <laughs> to the boom! Love it. Take care, Greg.